This episode is sponsored by Aura. Every once in a while, a product comes along that changes everything. And that product is Aura. Aura is an easy-to-use app that includes everything families need to protect their identities, money, passwords, devices, and more. It's really easy to set up and has everything you need. So you don't have to download seven separate apps to get things like parental controls, antivirus, ID theft, and transaction monitoring, and more. You get everything at one affordable price. What makes Aura different, you say? It's simple to set up. It protects against today's and tomorrow's threats, and with parental controls to let your kids explore the internet safely, filter harmful sites, apps, and manage screen time easily. Online safety for today's digital safety. It's tech that grows with you and your family. Browse safely, surf smartly, Aura comes packed with all the tools you need to protect you and your family from the online threats you can't see. Our listeners will get a 14-day free trial of Aura for individuals, couples, or their family by going to Aura.com potential. That's Aura, spelled A-U-R-A, dot com slash potential. Once again, get your first 14-day free trial of Aura by going to Aura.com potential. Protect what's important. Proactive protection for your assets, identity, family, and tech across every device. And remember, know your potential. This episode is sponsored by Neuro. Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient, but lately you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focused without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind. Stay in the zone, avoid the jitters, and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com slash potential. That's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Once again, that's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello there, Potential Podcast listeners. Welcome back to another special episode here. With one year gone, means another year reflection 
looking back on all the things that came out, all the movies you watched, all the TV shows you watched, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're here to give you our opinions on what we liked most and what we either didn't like or maybe were disappointed by. So I'm your host, Chris Stewart. I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. And this is our best and worst of 2023. It was quite a big year. A lot came out, um, a lot of big projects, a lot of bold things as well. And kind of a monumental year when you look at some of the pop culture impact of some of these projects. But just because things looked shiny and nice in that trailer didn't mean by the end of the movie or by the end of the show, we were all on the same page. So this will be interesting. As per usual, me and Taylor do not um, show each other our list of best and worst prior to recording. Um, I'm assuming we'll have quite a few similar uh, items. But uh, Taylor, start us off. Give us your top 10 films of 2023. And just a reminder, listeners, this doesn't necessarily mean that this is the top 10 like rated films of the entire year. This is what Taylor liked the most of 2023. Absolutely. So this is a no order in particular, just kind of going off a list here. So these are my top movies here, my favorites. Uh, first, I'm going to give it to John Wick 4. I thought, uh, what a kind of great way, if this is the end of John Wick, uh, spoilers, uh, we don't know of in terms of the series, but just another great romp, great action. I loved it. And uh, again, continue to deliver uh, for a fourth outing. Next one I like was Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. This was a real surprising one where I didn't know if, you know, what I was going to get, but I was pleasantly surprised that it met expectations. It was just a fun, carefree romp, fun CGI, great characters, and Definitely a great introduction into a world that I'm, though nerdy, not very familiar with. Next one, in terms of superhero films, uh, quite a few on my list. I'm going to give this first one uh, to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. What a great conclusion uh, to these characters. It was emotional. It was great. And, you know, personally for Chris and I, we got to interview Chikudi and Wuji, the main villain of that film. So definitely um, one of my favorite superhero films, as well as one of my favorite Marvel films of the MCU. Another superhero film, I'm going to give it up to The Flash. I was uh, pleasantly surprised, uh, despite all the drama and the issues with the uh, title character, actor, uh, and a lot of issues with editing and whatnot. Though it was very bad CGI and very laughable, I found myself really enjoying uh, the story, and um, I'm a huge fan of the uh, story of The Flashpoint and the comics, and I was really excited if this is what we're going to get um, to a live action adaptation was pretty excited and to have Michael Keaton back as Batman. That was pretty awesome. Uh, given up to a horror film that was one of my favorites of the year. Talk to me. This was very different, uh, very scary. I was really surprised by it. And also to, you know, for all Australian cast and Australian film to uh, directors and filmmakers that I, I think they're going to have a long career to those. I was really uh, scared, terrified, and hope they have more on the series. And then Godzilla minus one. Um, a huge fan of Godzilla films. Uh, this one, we, you know, Chris and I had seen previews about it, and we we're like, let's go into it. And for a foreign language film, a proper, you know, Japanese, uh, you know, kaiju film, this was really great. It had heart, amazing action. And also to set it into a time period really kind of fit the Godzilla mold. Another film that I really enjoyed was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This was a sequel to Across uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And this one delivered 
again, amazing animation, great cast of characters and at heart, and it may be wanting more and cannot wait for the third outing. Another one I really enjoyed, of course, these are back-to-back, uh, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. I'm going to give these both. I know with the Barbenheimer was the huge kind of uh, draw this summer in theaters. Barbie really enjoyed it because, you know, not knowing what to expect. I like the humor. I like the idea. Uh, Ryan Gosling killed it, as Ken. He was Knuff. Um, and Oppenheimer, though, you know, at times I felt, you know, long, I really thought, for adaptation of, you know, the story that we have not really seen much about in a slew of World War II era films. I thought this was, had a lot of weight to it. Great casting. And of course, Killian Murphy does an amazing job as Oppenheimer. And my last on my list was Air, Courting a Legend. I really do enjoy a good um, sports film. And this one was very different. Instead of just kind of focusing on actual Michael Jordan, we kind of focused on the what would be kind of synonymous with Jordan was Nike and the Air Jordans. So I thought this was really great. It was a, I, I like the, the the cast, the characters, and it just had it was a great feel good movie uh, for this year. So those are my top favorite movies of 2023. Very nice. We're gonna have uh, many similarities. I will <laughs> say uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and The Flash. Uh, both of those films I did consider on my list. Uh, they didn't make my top 10, but those were both very enjoyable and definitely, uh, I guess you could say, honorable mentions for me. Uh, they were just fantastic and fun, even with all the yeah drama around The Flash. It was definitely, I think, after uh, finally watching Aquaman, and we'll get to that, uh, reviewing that this week as well, um, was still... Uh, I think The Flash was still one of the better DC films of last year for it, well, kind of the end of uh, the, the DC end of the era, yeah. EU, as it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my top ten, my, my top ten films, twenty twenty three. So again, these are kind of my favorites. Uh, some critically, and some just because I had a good time. Uh, starting off, John Wick Chapter Four, as you said, Taylor. This was uh, a monumental film for the, we think the end of the franchise. Probably not. He'll be back, but. Again, this the way they can heighten the fight sequences, the storytelling, the set design, all of that. And that, that overhead shot later in the film goes down in, in history as one of the best action scenes I've ever seen in a film. It was like a video game pleasure. It was it was incredible. Uh Gardens of the Galaxy Volume Three, what a way to end the story. Um the MCU has been so kind of just downhill lately, and this was a bright light for the MCU in terms of just James Gunn. He knows what he's doing. It gives me hope of why he's over at DC, and I think DC's going to turn a new leaf in the right direction because of James Gunn. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, what a film. I mean, definitely, it heightened what happened in the first film. The animation is so insane. Just every every frame, you're like, that could be framed and, and put as like a piece of art in a museum. The, the amount of time it must take for them to animate this, which is why I'm glad they're taking their time with a third film. Let's let's slow down a bit, really make it perfected. Uh, the next one for me, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, the longest title of the year. Fantastic film. I think the Mission Impossible series has continued to just like bring new edge to that, and it's kind of crazy for most franchises where the movies kind of go downhill when they get older, Fast and the Furious and other films like that. This one is still kind of found ways to heighten it. I still think Fallout was a better film, but it makes me excited for part two and the whole sequence in Venice and then 
definitely that train scene was insane. So Tom Cruise, you're bringing it, and I'm excited to see more. Um, as you mentioned too, Taylor, we did have the crazy experience of the summer with Barbie Heimer. Barbie, although not like I, you know, if I had to rank like the top ten, it'd be lower on my films for me. I can't deny the cultural impact of that film. I thought the way that Greta Gerwig like interweave this whole story about patriarchy and what a woman can be and what a woman can do overlaid with Barbie was something that I think no one expected. And it really was a bold way to tell a story where it's like, Hey, look at this shiny toy. Oh wait, when you unwrap it, mm -hmm. there's a lot more there to this doll yeah. than you think. <laughs> uh, and it gave us the still in our heads. I'm just Ken that we cannot <laughs> get rid of to this day. Um, and I hope Ryan Gosling performs it at the Oscars. He better. Uh, Oppenheimer, definitely my favorite film of the year. Uh, I was just so in anticipation of that film. I love Christopher Nolan's work, and it was literally the bomb. Literally. Um, I just thought the way he really, it's so much time to tell in that story. And I get for even me, it was maybe getting a little long in the third hour. I was just like so captured in by the performances, by that crazy big cast. I mean, so many people. I mean, like Gary Oldman's in the movie for two minutes. But Kelly Murphy, just to show his stuff after years of being, you know, working with Chris Nolan and all these other projects, to have a leading role like that, fantastic. Uh, my next one is The Holdovers. I came to this movie quite late for the year. We were, you know, just reviewed it. Um, caught it at the tail end of 2023. And I must say, as someone who is now transferring into education and has been wrapped up in that world for a couple of years now, it really touched me. It was a fantastic film with so much heart. And it's a very simple plot, but it has so much more to it than you expect. And of all times. And Paul Giamatti, really, he's bringing something that He's always been fantastic, but this just shows you like the man still has his chops and same direction writer of uh, Sideways, one of my favorite films. The next one on my list is Godzilla Minus One as well. That movie was just one of the better films of the year, and it's kind of surprising when it's this Japanese way lower budget film compared to all these big blockbusters we're going to talk about in a few minutes. It just shows you how like with the right director and visionary, you can do a lot with a smaller budget. And I love the way they kind of told that story of like the PTSD, like the, the kamikaze bomber, all that stuff was like insane. And Godzilla was terrifying. My next one on the films of uh, my next best film of 2023 is poor things. This film to me really was like the, the definition of, artistic license of just like this director yoga just like going for it. I mean like every frame this all this okay let's go you're good wipe your shit off another time um poor things it's like such a visionary like feast for the eyes the acting's incredible the costumes everything amazing and i think it's going to do very well i think it was one of the more highly rated films of the year as well and my last best film of 2023 it really touched me just because it's it reminded me so much of my youth and most of my career up until the pandemic theater camp 
was hilarious. Um, kind of this mockumentary style, almost in the way of Christopher Guest of this theater camp. And I just thought the writing and the jokes were right up my alley. It may not be for everyone, but it was quite hilarious. So those are my top 10 films of 2023. And now we're getting into a different territory. These are going to our top 10 worst and disapp- or disappointing. Not necessarily... <laughs> Yeah, may not be not be, may not be terrible films overall, may not be the worst films, but there is also that thing of disappointment when you have such anticipation for a film and just expectations. Yeah, and unfortunately, you go into a film with expectations, you, you cannot to unless you don't watch the trailer. But some of these titles, you know, so these are mine, and again, no particular order. Um, so first up, we kind of mentioned it. Uh, this is going to be an interview later, but uh, Aquaman two. Aquaman 2, Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. This is going to be one mine. Um, I think in terms of DCEU, it's been a rocky start. They did not model it as best they could have with in terms of what Marvel did. And But of the bright shining lights, the first Aquaman was one of those films that I really was surprised for. And also to have someone like Jason Momoa kind of transform what people thought of Aquaman. He was kind of the goofball. He was kind of the the laughing stock of the Justice League, but he made him badass. He made him fun. He made him, you know, kind of brutish and roguish. And um, I thought, you know, we got James Wan known for his amazing horror and visuals. Did a great job, especially with something that you had to do a lot of these underwater scenes. That being said, going into Aquaman 2, high expectations. And I thought not only that, but having this, the last film for the DCEU to kind of close a chapter on was very sad. I thought for me, it just... There wasn't a lot of heart. There was a lot of editing issues. And despite what you say about Amber Heard and James Wan saying, well, uh, she wasn't really big. It looked like she was cut out and it was kind of weird and a little disjointed. And a lot of the characters that you really got to know and or barely know in the first one, they kind of were relegated to the wayside. So for me, it you know was kind of sad to see, although Jason Momoa was a lot of great fun in this, it was not as uh, exciting as the first one. Next one I'm going to do is 65. This was the Adam Driver film and kind of set where a, you know, he is an astronaut who, who uh, ends up in this prehistoric planet. Uh, and I like the idea of like, what if you crash land on a planet 65 million years in the past? You know, what would that be like? You know, I really was kind of excited about this. I didn't think it was going to be the best film ever, but I was kind of disappointed that the, the premise, they didn't really go for broke with it. Um, especially kind of this, you know, a tale of like kind of survival and kind of this parental figure. They, I was a little hoping for some more of that. And I hoping there was more of a twist. And unfortunately, when you see the trailer, it kind of kind of ruined the, the twist part of it, but that was me. Uh, next one is you people. Um, this was a comedy that I was very much looking forward to uh, thinking about Eddie Murphy had been on retirement for a long time. Comedic legend uh, from Saturday Night Live, Nighty Professor, Shrek, um, Beverly Hills Cop to come back and work with not only Jonah Hill, but Julie's Dreyfus. Oh, this is going to be comedic masterpiece. And for me, it was not funny. It was awkward and not in a good way. And I think the premise that has done better before more masterfully and more, you know, and this, and I felt like it was kind of, um, it was kind of making fun of people and not in a good way. And I just, I didn't really get the humor that I really wanted of that film. Uh, unfortunately, uh, next one, Five Nights at Freddy's. This one, I was, you know, not knowing the IP and not really knowing the games. I was like, going to go in with open expectations, but seeing the trailer, you know, knowing so Jason Bloom and Bloom House doing Five Nights at Freddy's, 
Bloomhouse has done quite a, gr a great slew of mostly good horror films and some not so. For a film that, you know, I felt like they could have had more jump scares. It was kind of, the, the film didn't know what it wanted to be. It was like, let's be scary, but let's be, let's have a kind of like a family story. But, and then it kind of, the plot kind of got weird. And I, I really wanted more of the creepy factor of like, okay, you have these animatronics that come to life and they want to murder people. Where was all that? So that was a little disappointing for me. Other um, kind of the horror realm, but kind of a kitty was Haunted Mansion. Uh, I was a huge fan of the original one with Eddie Murphy, speaking of Eddie Murphy uh, film. And, you know, though it wasn't great at the box office, I really enjoyed it. This one, I thought, wow, great cast of characters. Disney's getting a little more edgy. Wasn't scary to me. It was long, drawn out. And the plot was kind of like, eh. So that was kind of a disappointment in terms of remaking a film that, you know, didn't need to really be remade. Next one for me is Bo is Afraid. I was um, I was really kind of looking forward to this because it looked very kind of trippy, kind of weird in a fun way. And I really found myself not really enjoying this film as much. Um, the very beginning of it had a great premise and stuff, but then it kind of got weird and kind of not a good way for me. It was really, I don't know, just some of the some of the stuff that was going on. I didn't really know what was happening. And I thought, you know, in terms like Joaquin Phoenix, great actor, but I don't know. It just wasn't the film for me. And maybe again. Not for everybody. Uh, going back to superhero films, another very big disappointing for me was Ant-Man 3 Quantumania. Uh, this one had a lot of hype because this was going to kind of start introducing our next big bad for the MCU, Kang the Conqueror. We were teased with him and End of Loki. And again, every Ant-Man film really enjoyed. And this one had kind of the stakes where oh, this is going to be the big game changer, as we said, with this year, the last year and a half of MCU has been disappointing. This might have been another bright spot of it. It was not. Um, first of all, it took away what made the anime movie special. Uh, really weird CGI characters you didn't care about. Um, humor that kind of fell flat. And the only best part of it was the villain. You know, And there was no stakes for, for something that was going to kind of maybe turn the tide. I felt like it was a film that kind of came and went and everything that's been going on with Jonathan Majors it almost felt like they, you know, it, maybe it was a good thing that how it ended, how it did, but really disappointed with that one. Uh, next disappointment was Indiana Jones uh, and the Dial of Destiny, Indy 5. Um, you know, having been a huge fan of the series, you know, we felt like Indiana Jones 4, Kingdom of Crystal Skull was kind of like, did they really need to do it? Going back in over the years, I really come to enjoy the film, what it was doing. There was a couple of silly spots. But going back and looking at the film, I've had a new appreciation for that film. And now I appreciate it even more. Um, this Indiana Jones, I like the idea, like, let's go back to the Nazis. Let's go back to all this. Let's go back to what made Indiana Jones great. And having James Mangold at the back of the helm, who did Wolverine and all these great films, this is going to be great. Sadly, I felt the film really kind of dragged. The only thing that kept me going was enjoying Harrison's Ford performance. We have a lot of side characters with throughout the series of Indiana Jones. You actually enjoy the side characters. You enjoy the villains. We kind of had a waste of Mad Mickelson. He did a great job, but he wasn't the villain I wanted him to be. And he's so great at playing villains. And, you know, you have this idea of, you know, time travel. They didn't really use it the best way. And it kind of felt like this film, we really, again, did need it. We could have left, you know, we, we have kind of a really a sad and kind of broken Indiana Jones. And I don't think we needed that. You know, and um, we've kind of done the old jokes already before. So I don't know. For me, it was a film that 
had so much more potential and I was more excited and really let down on that one. Um, the last two here a little bit, uh, you know, uh, again, not huge films, but I was kind of disappointed with this big fat Greek wedding three. Um, I really enjoyed the first one. Second one was, was really cute as well. This kind of felt like they made it just to make it. And um, where, although after the second one, jokes weren't as good as the first one, this one, you know, not having the patriarch, unfortunately, who, um, you know, uh, Michael Constantine, um, who had unfortunately passed, but had given the blessing uh, for Nia Vardalos to make this film. It, I felt like it lost a lot of the luster and the fun that made the other ones. And I don't really know what the film was trying to do um, in terms of like this whole idea. We're going to this, uh, we're going back to Greece. We're doing this family reunion. And I don't know, kind of just the the humor wasn't there and they kind of recycled the joke. So I was kind of disappointed with that. And uh, last but not least, in terms of comedies this year, this was a really disappointing one, Strays. Um, you know, an R-rated dog talking comedy. Great concept. We've got Jamie Foxx, Will Ferrell. To me, it was kind of like they went for the easy jokes and then that was it. And I don't know. I just, if you're going to do an R-rated comedy, really make it fun, but doesn't all have to be dog sex jokes, uh, inappropriate poop humor. I mean, there's just, I, I, you know, you have a concept of dogs looking at the human world in a unique way kind of just wasted it. There was a lot more jokes that could have had that didn't have to be maybe as dirty or whatnot. And so that was kind of let down. And I definitely was glad I waited to streaming to watch that. But um, those are my uh, top worst, top 10 worst or disappointing films. Well, once again, we're gonna have a lot of similarities. So I start off with you people. Uh, yeah, I was, I was anticipating this comedy. You know, Eddie Murphy's been out for so long. I just felt like they used a lot of comedy that was kind of anti the point of the movie or like very awkward humor to like be slightly racist to the audience it's not my bag and man and the wasp pontomania i was very hyped for that film and the more it's like sat since watching it it's just like yeah you can't set up this big bad as someone who's going to be beat by a bunch of ants and ant-man like we all love paul rudd but like paul rudd wasn't the reason why you know thanos was beat he was a big part of it he helped out but it's not like thanos was going to be beat by ant-man and kang just kind of came off as you know this bad that wasn't as big as we hoped for and in the hindsight now i think they might be recasting kang there's a lot of up in the air but kind of a cgi mess and they should have kept to the small scale ant-man films Indiana jones and the dial of destiny look we all love harrison ford we love Indiana jones we really thought oh this will be the ticket to kind of redeem for a lot of people what was a failure with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I still defend that film. I don't think it's all as bad as people say it is. And this one just was a mess. I think there was some concepts that could have worked, but overall it was kind of a mess. And to, to find out it was like $300 million, apart from the, some of the CGI stuff in the beginning, which was the better part of the film, where where was that money? Don't know. Sadly, a waste. Haunted Mansion, enough said, just was not uh, not to the point that I wanted to. I wanted it scarier. I wanted it more horror-based. Definitely has its knots to the ride, which I respect, but some of the humor didn't land for me. The Exorcist Believer. The Exorcist is like a beloved horror franchise. For many people, it is considered one of the, not only best scary movies of all time, one of the best movies ever made. This was a new take on it, you know, potential start of a trilogy, and again, with the whole Blumhouse situation of how they did Halloween, uh, David Gordon Green, 
the first one was great, and then the second one was eh, and the third one was terrible. So I can only imagine if the first one of this was already in the terrible camp, I can't expect much from a two or a three for this franchise. Five Night at Freddy's. I'll give it up for the production value. I love that they actually went to Jim Henson's company to do, like, actual suits and, like, all that's great, but it was not scary. It was really no horror. Um, you know, it was PG-13. They needed to give us the rated R cut, and I'm glad it made money. Um, you know, I definitely think there is an audience for this who play the games, but as I am someone who's ever played the game, I wanted more from the movie, so I expect the sequel, go big or go bolder, scare me, please. Uh, next one up, I know we have a friend of the podcast who was in the movie, but Dashing Through the Snow, and I really give us on the disappointing list because Ludacris was sleeping through that entire film. Uh, Lil Ray... Thank you so much for giving us a really fun new take on Santa. I enjoyed that as much, but ludicrous, man. You can't be the lead of a movie and just be one note the entire time. Um, next up, Napoleon. Ridley. Ridley Scott. I worship this man in terms of the movies he's made that I really love. Blade Runner. Alien. Gladiator. He's made some of the most important big films of all time. Then he decides to do Napoleon, and he goes, you know what? No one's going to speak French. Not one person. The, you know, walking, you just speak American, the rest of you will speak British. Why? Because I don't want to deal with French. And the fact that even like France, you know, French reviews came out being like, we hate, we hate this American movie. And he's like, oh, the French hate everything. That can't be a response. Look, the battle scenes were great, but overall, it's just the accuracy of what you're trying to do. You could have done a little more work and actually made it a little more accurate. Uh, next up, Shazam, Fear of the Gods. I actually enjoyed the film overall, but my disappointment is just how it all kind of came out with DC. And it did feel like there was parts of the film that like, because of just DC in total, having to like, okay, we're not going to do any more with the DCEU. Just the awkward cuts here and there were like, clearly they had other things planned, but they had to now shy away from that. And the awkward, like, clearly Gal Gadot was on set for a day, but not with Zachary Levi. <laughs> Just looking horrible, and it's kind of a shame too. As much as I respect and love Zachary Levi, to kind of see the way he's handled leaving DC since is kind of a shame. Um, you know, I get it. It's like your your movie didn't do very well, and now you're probably not going to come back. I get it. And finally, Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom. Aquaman, the first film, was a blast. It's one of the best of the DCEU. The only film to make over a billion dollars in the DCEU. This one was, well, you'll have to watch our review, listen to our review to uh, understand why. In some enjoyable parts, but overall, a mess. A mess of a movie in just like goofy seconds. That's my worst 10 films of 2023. Well, now that we've gone through the movies, you know, TV has been a bright light in entertainment. And uh, we had a lot of great shows, some okay shows, some so-so shows, but we're going to get to now our best and worst shows of 2023. So actually, Taylor, why don't I start this time? I'll start with our top 10 shows. Um, I'm sure we'll have some similarities as well, but let's start with The Last of Us. Now, The Last of Us, I think, you know, one of our favorite video game franchises, the way HBO took on this show and really stuck to the detail of the video games, really stuck to the storytelling of that world, the production design, the design of the zombies, the clickers, all that was fantastic. They really found ways to really look at the humanity of this time and the acting and everything was fantastic. 
I really hope they kind of with season two get a little more into the actual zombies. Um, again, this is a zombie world, and after a couple episodes, they kind of forgot about the zombies. Um, that's just you know one thing, but uh, overall was one of the better shows, and uh, definitely for video game adaptations was highly, highly recognized for being. You did great, kid, which usually can be very hit and miss. Uh, next time I'm going to talk about You Season 4. I really enjoyed the, the show You. This was the first season they kind of took in a different direction with Joe being set in England and uh, kind of this more of a murder mystery kind of case. And I love kind of the the setting and the world he was in. It was kind of more giving the vibes of like a modern day, like, you know, murder whodunit slash Sherlock vibes. Um, kind of akin actually to Saltburn we're going to be talking about. Um and definitely the way the season ended uh, gets me excited for what I believe will be the fifth and final season for you. Next up, a new show from the creators of Ted Lasso, Shrinking. This was a fantastic, if not probably one of my favorite shows of the year. Um, a, a look at, you know, the inside look of, of, of therapy and, and all that um, with a comedic lens. Again, kind of that dramedy level uh Jason Siegel, just hilarious. And Harrison Ford, you know, whereas Indiana Jones was kind of a dud for the year, the bright light for him was this comedy role in Shrinking as kind of the, you know, kind of gruntled boss that uh, has this really funny side to him and very sweet. Coming after that, I'm going to say Ted Lasso Season 3. Ted Lasso, still one of our favorite shows of all time, and we're really hoping that maybe the show will continue even if it means Ted is not involved anymore. But it was a fantastic way to end the series. Now, not everything in Season 3 worked for us, but overall, there's still a charm and a love to those characters that I love to be in that world. I just love being at the pub or in the you know the, the workout room or just on the field. There's something about that show that gives me a lot of joy watching it. Now, to be the opposite of joy, but in a good way from watching how just crazy this family is succession season four the final season of succession this show it's a roller coaster to watch it is some of the best acting you'll see on tv the way this family just is with each other the business side the the tech dialogue it's kind of crazy but it is such an enjoyable show i'll miss the show for what it was uh again some of the best acting and writing on tv uh continuing after that is barry season four We've really enjoyed Barry. It is one of the best premises. I think, you know, Bill Hader, the way he also took on the role of directing. Um, I believe he directed the entire fourth season. The show was just so fun to watch because it was, like, quite violent. They really played into the actual violence of the show. But the humor with him, just great way to end the season. And the series ended in quite a shocker. Like we were kind of like, Oh, they went that way. And it was a quite a good finale for Barry. The next one on my list. Um, this was a surprising one. We kind of looked into this and, uh, we were a little late to after it premiering, but beef, one of the best shows of 2023, Stephen Yeo and, uh, Ali Wong, you know, starting in this where these two people, they get into a kind of road rage incident. And then the unraveling of how, how might one might want to get revenge on the other person took so many twists and turns. I mean, it was gripping. This was a show where I remember being like, I have to watch the next episode. 
some of the best writing for the year and uh, some awards already coming out for some of these shows. Uh, we had the Golden Globes just last night as we're recording this and uh, they both won some Golden Globes for those roles as well. Next up, uh, good old Fall of the House of Usher. You know, in terms of horror, when it comes to TV and, you know, movies, we loved um, Dr. Sleep. Um, Mike Flanagan is definitely one of the most current like top voices in horror and the way he interweaved Edgar Allan Poe stories into this kind of modern story with, you know, had fable kind of aspects to it, but the deaths, the the kind of intensity of this. And I love that he reuses a lot of the same cast for different roles. It was one of the better projects for October where there was kind of quite a few duds. Um, he was a, a dark light, if you will, during that time. My last two here, The Bear Season 2. The Bear, a delicious show filled with uh, anxiety and drama, but a lot of comedy and heart. And, um, you know, that show, the cast is fantastic. And they really stepped it up with some of the better episodes than the first season. Still enjoyed Season 1 a lot, but Season 2 definitely was like, all right, here is your entree. And uh, just alone for the sixth episode of season two where we have this big flashback Christmas dinner with some big name celebrities coming in to play the uh, family that alone was uh, worth the ride. And then finally, this was a surprise for both of us, but uh, having never watched the anime one piece came out on Netflix this year. I was so thrilled by this show. It was so funny, very cartoony, just like the show, the action, the heart that cast is hilarious and i was like damn i can't wait for season two this is a fun show especially for kind of a pirate theme goofy as i said cartoony show uh thoroughly enjoyed one piece so those are my top 10 shows of 2023 well this is gonna be very short because we matched up quite a few on these ones <laughs> so uh, i'll i'll be brief but uh, i'll go through you know my take um yeah um Starting my list, uh, Succession season four. Uh, this is a show that Chris told me about um, that he had gotten to originally, and I said, "Oh, I want to check this out." So we both kind of, you know, started and ended different times. But wow, what a ride! Um, HBO has continued a great, great content of TV series, and this was no exception. Um, just a great Shakespearean, you know, dramatic in the corporate world kind of style family squabbling. I thought it came to head in such a great way where. This was only going to end in, in one way for some of these characters. And I just thought top-notch acting, everyone from Brian, Cro uh, Brian Cox, everyone from Brian Cox uh, to Jeremy Strong. It just was just a wild ride. And I'm, I'm glad I saw it through. Uh, next one is Beef uh, as well. I thought this was a one I didn't know much about it and kind of hearing, you know, all the hype over it, watched it, really loved it. I thought not only having another great representation of an all um, Asian or Asian American cast. Um, the premise, this idea of this road rage incident and how these lives kind of dismantle over time. I thought the casting was great. Uh, the music choices are very, um, you know, this could have been sent uh, during the nineties of so the grunge era. <laughs> it would have been perfect fit, but really enjoyed Netflix's beef. Hope they have a season two or they continue in this kind of world. Uh, next also is Barry uh, season four. Um, this is a show that I kind of came late into the game and it had already been a couple seasons out. Uh, Chris had told me about it. Uh, other people had said, so I checked it out. 
and really got into it. It was something very different, um, dark comic, and it can continue to surprise me. Um, and hats off, hats off to Bill Hader for creating such an iconic character and helping to create such a great show. Next was last of us in a slew of IPs of, you know, video games to film and to TV show adaptations. This one was a lot of hype for it. And it certainly delivered. We weren't sure what they were going to do. They had talked for years about making a show uh, based on this game and they delivered and something that was very surprising, but yes, I think we needed more of the infected, but then again, this is a human story. And I think they did a really good job capturing that. Hopefully it's going to ramp up in season two, knowing what we know of the video games. We're excited. Next is shrinking. I really enjoyed that in terms of uh, a comedic show with a lot of heart, just like Ted Lasso, same creators as well. Um, shrinking was such a surprise and I really loved it. Uh, not only had great humor, um, great cast and yes, um, Harrison Ford, a slew of films uh, and properties this year. And this was definitely delivered um, something very surprising for him. And I can't wait for season two. Next, another uh, video game uh, IP, Twisted Metal. This was something that I was like, oh, maybe really stupid. But I was actually pleasantly surprised that this was a, just a fun romp and it delivered, you know, the producers and writers of Deadpool, um, you know, it, 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 it what it set out to be. And I really found the humor, the action um, to take such a simple concept and to make it kind of this, you know, story. I really loved it. And I actually look forward to season two when we're going to get more of the mayhem uh, and violence that hopefully will ensue. Uh, also on my list is the fall of the House of Usher. Uh, Chris from the pandemic, when he introduced me to Mike Flanagan, when I first saw Dr. Sleep together with him, I was in a world of amazement. Uh, Mike Flanagan has continued to surprise and amaze, and he has a dedication to not only the scares, but the amazing cast of characters and depth of emotion. Um, he is the, um, you know, the Kubrick, the king of, of this era, and he continues to surprise the light fall how uh, the Fall of the House of Usher, I mean, to use a family drama and the Edgar Allan Poe theme with all these stories, it was just fantastic. Really enjoyed it and um, definitely worth the watch. Uh, the Bear Season 2, uh, a show that, you know, gives you high anxiety, but also serves up some delicious uh, food. This one served up another amazing season. I was like, wow, this is uh, this is incredible. Uh, it was fun, exciting, and um yeah, like you said, the dinner party scene was just like the highlight of the show. And I cannot to see where it goes as they talk about season three, going back to the roots of what made the show uh, really great in the in the first season. Uh, next one is, as you, is One Piece. This was something that I didn't really know much about. I'm really glad that we tackled the show. Uh, it was fun, silly. Um, the humor was great and amazing effects. And I think, especially in a world where, you know, anime... Uh, to live action can be a challenge and they haven't really been successful. Uh, Netflix really proved um, that they can do this. And I hope that they continue to do this, not just this property with other ones. And last but not least, I'm a huge fan of the Sheridan universe, starting with Yellowstone. Um, it spawned off all these other spinoffs and of the spinoffs that I've seen so far, the one I really enjoyed the most uh, was 1923. Um, and this is another Harrison Ford uh, property. Um, I thought this was really great. I, I, I didn't really like 1883 as much. And this one I thought was a really good time error to have, you know, kind of the, the proper, you know, modern 
you know, west of the twenties. And I really like kind of the setup there where it, it was still very rugged. Mirren and Harrison Ford do a great job. And I think it really sets up more for hopefully a great season two and just proves that Sheridan really has a lot of love for this kind of era and this time of, of cowboys and whatnot. And it's amazing that he's continued to be successful in his writing and creating of his shows. And that was my uh, top 10 favorites of 2023. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we have some disappointing or worse shows. Uh, only doing five. Again, it's kind of hard to pull 10. Um, as I said, TV mostly is pretty good. Um, so these are my five kind of disappointing or worse shows of 2023. First off, Goosebumps. Uh, you know, Disney took a new take at Goosebumps, premiered on Disney Plus and Hulu. And although I give them merit for trying this kind of, uh, you know, overarching story with a bunch of elements from the books in one story, they focused way too much on kind of the characters and their lives and a lot less on the actual horror or Goosebumps stories. And, um, you know, Justin Long did his best to kind of keep that show moving, but it kind of wasn't all there. And I hope that if they do get a second season, they kind of push a little more with the actual Goosebumps material and less of these we don't need 40, 45 minute episodes where 30 minutes of episodes is talking about like our homework and dating. Give me the actual goosebump stuff. Uh, next up, the Santa Claus is season two. Santa Claus overall, you know, it's kind of hard to look at those, that franchise and be like, really the, the first movie is what stands the test of time. Second and three is okay. And then, you know, the show, I, I kind of enjoyed what it was kind of going for in the first season but it is very kid cookie cutter, you know, elements. It doesn't let Tim Allen be as much of kind of what he was, you know, meant to be in that first film because we are in a different era now. Something's a little more PC and, and PG to talk about. Um, I enjoyed that they had Eric Stone Street coming in to kind of be this over the top kind of, you know, ancient Santa, but just some things didn't work for season two. And I, I think this might be the end of that for good now. Uh, next up, The Witcher, season three. Look, we love Henry Cavill and The Witcher, although maybe one of the more confusing fantasy shows because uh, there's just a lot of names and a lot of characters, and they all have like 16 syllables, and uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> you can tell that with him now exiting the project, that just some of the writing wasn't as strong, and although some of the action scenes are fun to watch, it just wasn't as enjoyable of a season overall and it's now like am i even going to want to watch season four with liam hemsworth coming in the role not sure so season three witcher was disappointed next up though then both my shows go to disney so first off secret invasion i was enjoying secret invasion at first i was enjoying kind of what I was going for and then it went to like goofball dragon ball z mode where you know our main bad guy was given all these powers and you know, it's like, I, I love Secret Invasion for being a show where it's like, oh, we're going to actually kind of tackle the spy espionage kind of element of what Nick Fury deals with, with the scrolls. And it's not really going to be about fighting. It's about these spy missions and being secretive. And then we have just this goofy over the top, you know, and, you know, Amelia Clark having like, you know, all of a sudden she has a whole can and she's got this and she can do that. It was just like, this is not what the point of the show was. And you know, all these things of like, oh, she must be the strongest character in the MCU. It's like, I don't care. I don't care to see that character ever again. And I, I, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a place for her moving forward. And then lastly, this might be a sin for some people, 
but I'm going to put Mandalorian season three. I think the show is starting to lose its juice a little. And I don't know if that's because of Lucasfilm, uh, the direction they want to go with. Um, you know, some things worked great in season three and some didn't. And I think my problem with sometimes with the show is it feels like we're kind of at a stalemate with, you know, like for like season two was starting to heighten things with especially the Jedi element and Grogu wanting to learn his powers. And now that we've kind of stepped away from that, it's like, okay, what are the building blocks to get to this movie that Dave Filoni is going to be directing? That kind of is the end all be all of this story. And for some of season three, it felt like the show was focusing more on like Bo-Katan than actually Mando. Like it's his show, but it felt a lot was kind of focusing on other yeah. characters. Overall, again, it wasn't bad. Like there's elements I really enjoyed in season three, but they like to do this thing too, where like for some reason Mandalorian likes to have like, oh, we'll have the bad guy. We'll have Moff Gideon or whoever show up like very last minute. And it kind of, you know, we get this nice big battle, but then it's like, I, I kind of need more from the show moving forward, whether it's going to be one season, two seasons, and then that's it to the movie. And that kind of also focuses over to Ahsoka, where I feel like just overall Lucasfilm, like Andor was really strong for me. This year overall was kind of okay for 2023. So I'm curious to see where they go with um, got Skeleton Crew and we have the Acolyte coming up. But uh, anything is to kind of be boosted back up to an enjoyable place. Because I feel like with Star Wars, I'm always kind of like, I liked it, but I wasn't fully satisfied as I was with like Luke coming into the season two and like blowing my mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So those are my uh, worst or disappointed shows of 2023. Yeah. And again, uh, a lot of similarities here and and probably for the same reasons here. So for my top five worst or disappointing ones, um, I'm going to go, first of all, Secret Evasion. I agree. I think the premise, I think we, the issue with the MCU films has been the focus more reliable on a formulaic thing of person gets their powers, you know, blah, 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 big fight at the end, boom. Um, where some have broken the mold, some have changed different things. Um, where I think the shows have been better is because we don't have to focus on a main character getting their powers. They've already been established. We can kind of, you know, explore more things where Loki and um, uh, WandaVision kind of uh, more, uh, you know, kind of personal emotional stories. This one, Isaac, we haven't really had a proper you know, thing focusing on Nick Fury. And this is a great thing for Samuel Jackson to have this role where he's has, you know, coveted this role for so long. And he says, I'll, I'll keep doing it forever. But I really wanted him to focus on the spy element. The idea that you can't trust anybody, anyone could be a scroll and like kind of almost tapping into cold war vibes or this kind of old war mentality where you don't know who to trust. And, you know, they didn't focus on that. There was, it, there was more of this kind of like all this drama that happened that we weren't privy to of these scroll like characters. And then we don't really explore that. And then those kind of characters are wasted, especially with such a great cast from Lydia Coleman, Amelia Clark. Um, I think, yeah, it just became kind of the CGI slog fest and we weren't really focused on the real questions and more people worried about like, well, what about Rhodey? Who is he? When, has he been out of it? We don't know. So I was left with more questions and kind of like, eh. And it also, the sad thing was it didn't really help at anything to the Marvels as an honorable mention of kind of a disappointing film that I didn't mention. 
but uh, that's for another story for another time. Uh, Santa Claus is season two. I agree. Um, I adore one of my favorite Christmas films of all time. Santa Claus again, see uh, season two, Santa Claus is two. See, uh, <laughs> wow. Santa Claus two and three, you know, they were all right. They had some moments. Maybe they didn't get as good as they uh, went on. But the Santa Clauses was an interesting concept to not only explore more of the family dynamic of Scott Calvin and his family, but also kind of maybe answer some questions where they didn't really answer in the other films, like what happened to the other Santa? What happened to Mrs. Claus? Things like this. So that was kind of, you know, a cool concept. But, you know, Disney kind of needs to figure out what kind of tone they want to set. I mean, when you can do films like Pirates of the Caribbean, but you can't kind of go into the edgy, more, you know, PG, PG-13 humor that, as you said, Tim Allen has been known for, and he's done really well, even in films like Toy Story, where there's a little bit more kind of fun, and they didn't really lean into that. And season two got more cookie-cutter Disney, Disney, like, decom. It was more like a Disney Channel original movie than a good show, and Eric Stone Street was probably the bright light that kind of kept me watching that show. Um, instead of Mandalorian 3, uh, season three, I'm going to go with Ahsoka as my disappointing one. Uh, for me, I really dived into clone war series uh as well as rebels because i really wanted to understand more of what like dave filoni uh what lucasfilm and what disney has been doing going forward into the star wars universe understand the backstory of this cruise uh these characters and so for me not only knowing all the backstory information and knowing what maybe you know casual star wars viewer i had really high expectations for ahsoka the problem with Ahsoka is you have to really understand everything to appreciate it. But that being said, they didn't really like live up to those like questions, like what happened to this character and that character. And we didn't really get good interactions with there or like, oh, well, this is going on. And I felt like Rosario Dawson didn't really get enough chance to kind of lean into what makes Ahsoka such a strong character, especially if you have not watched that. You need to make a show like Mandalorian where you can enjoy it and it can introduce you to more of the star Wars lore. So I was kind of disappointed. I had high expectations for that, but again, um, uh, Lars Mikkelsen was a, a bright light and I'm looking forward to what they do next with his character as well. Um, last two here, one again was Witcher season three. Um, you know, Chris got me really into the series and um, I really enjoyed what season one and two, the problem with season three, I think not only, unfortunately, this is the last out of a cavil. So it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth they kind of really didn't really know what they were doing with the season. It kind of was like, Oh, we're going over here. We got to protect this person, you know? So there really wasn't much of a plot, uh, you know, in terms of overarching story. And I think that being said, um, Cavill's is a huge um, advocate for the series. And a lot of people have said, though, I've not read the books really. A lot of have been told that they don't follow the books very well. And then the story is kind of suffering from that. And that's case in point. So Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Liam Hemsworth bringing into the character. Will we keep watching it? We might stick around, but for how long is the question? Last but not least, kind of a random one, but uh, I'm going to say that 90s show. Um, in a slew of um, series we're getting these days where they're kind of uh, continuing the story, whether it's a reboot or uh, kind of a sequel series, whether it's Roseanne to the Connors or... Um, you know, maybe there's going to be a four and a half men. I don't know. Um, you know, a nineties show following the 70s show. I really enjoyed that 70s show. It was fun. It was silly. It didn't take it too seriously, but I also had a great reference to that era and just kids hanging out this one. Let's do the 90s show where both Chris and I, Hey, we grew up in this era. This would probably, you know, kind of be fun. 
the only bright light was the parents uh the original uh, technically now the grandparents foreman and kitty they were fun um but you had very few interactions with other previous characters and the kids are very boring and they're kind of using the same jokes which don't really fit if you're going to do into the 90s instead of the 70s so a lot of the references weren't as good and you know i watched it all but kind of disappointed it was kind of one of those things where did you really need that maybe not that was my top five worst and disappointing shows of 2023 so there you have it folks our best and worst of 2023 again some great stuff uh some monumental films and shows and then some duds which happens every year and here we are in 2024 a whole brand new year of stuff coming out um some big projects some big shows some of these shows returning for another season and as always, some new shows, um, some shows also that came out in 2022, coming back for their second season, you know, House of the Dragon coming back and everything. So uh, be on the lookout for more reviews coming your way. But uh, if you had your own list or, you know, some of these you uh, also liked or didn't like, reach out, let us know. Uh, or don't agree yeah, with us. We always love to hear your opinions <laughs> as well. But uh, until next time, stay tuned. Uh, I'm Chris. That I'm was, Taylor. Uh, best and worst of 2023. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.